Peace, peace, and welcome. We're glad you're here. This is the Cook on Monday Morning Podcast. I am here with the homie, Mark DeVito. I said that right? You got it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> oh, nailed it. Nice. <laughs> um, thank you for being here, Mark. Of course. Thanks for having me, man. It's yeah, a treat. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning to you. <laughs> Happy Monday morning. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cook up Monday morning. We believe that if you own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. Mark, I have known um, for since since the days back when I used to party. <laughs> uh, you were had, good at it. You did <laughs> a good job. Yeah, you were good at it. <laughs> We've had at one of his many uh, bar establishments called Bullet on on Polk on Street. Polk and Vallejo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you remember? Um, so, so I'm excited to have you on because, um, you know, you, you've been in the city for quite some time building various neighborhood bars and you've transitioned into other types of business ventures. I don't know all the business ventures that yeah. you that you have going on, but I do want to get into it because I think there's a lot to learn from, you know, what it's been like for you to, to do business here um, from your story. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, of course. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what we met, that was in, um, that was probably around 2000 10 2011 is that right yeah yeah between that time yeah. that's crazy it's been a decade mm-hmm. oh wow it has yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing this is a podcast so no one can see but i still look great yeah uh, well now this, really this, this is video recorded damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, no it's been it's been a fun run i mean i've, I've been um i first moved out to california for the first time from the east coast in 2000 and 2001 i think okay. Um, and then went back to the East Coast for a few years and then came back out here um, 2005, right at the beginning of 2005, so like 15 years ago, mm-hmm. um, playing music and working at bars. And then music kind of started to dwindle and decided to see what it was like to throw my hat in the ring and own a bar in this town. Hmm. Uh, Speaking of hats, wild, wild, wild ride. <laughs> I'm wearing the uh, standard deviant cap, and you are the, one of the masterminds behind the standard deviant. That's right, business. That's right. And um, so, I want to I want to start with that company, and then kind of go back from there. Cool. So, what is standard deviant? Standard deviant is um, a local uh, brewery manufacturing plant um, down the street here in the Mission on 14th Street. Um, Started by me and two two friends. Um, I guess we've been open three and a half years. So about four and a half years ago, we actually got the keys. Um, kind of started as like a my, my business partner Paul uh, was in biotech and just always itching to do something with beer. He was home brewing and would come by the bars and be like, "Try this. Like, this is really good beer, Paul." quit your job, <laughs> quit your job. Let's do beer. Yeah. Um, and he finally did. And it took, it took a few years and it was, um, you know, this is six years ago, probably when we started looking. And even then it was terribly discouraging to find a space that was big enough hmm. for what we wanted to build mm-hmm. that we could even kind of afford. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we almost gave up at one point, but um, with persistence, we said, no, we got to keep on looking. This is, we want to do this. We, we believe in this and uh, finally found this old garage on 14th street. Mm-hmm. Uh, the landlord wanted to retire. She had an auto body shop there and was ready to go. And um, it was pretty cool. Cause we walked in and, and looked at it and said, this is, 
this is perfect. I mean, you've seen the space, but it's a giant garage, all these old, like original timber mm. in the ceilings. Um, and we said, we can't pay you what you can probably get from a big uh, company, mm-hmm. but we're going to continue manufacturing and keep the, the kind of core values of what you had here in, in place and keep 14th street, a you know, uh, production street, manufacturing street. And she went for it mm-hmm. and it was cool. She was super cool about it. And, mm-hmm. um, we, we started it and it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm the first beer that finally came through the tanks after a year of, you know, we had to dig up the sidewalks and the floors and redo all the plumbing and redo all the gas and electric and put these giant stainless steel tanks in. And the first beer that came out, I was like, Oh no, this better mm. be good. <laughs> this isn't good. And we all kind of had this like hesitation and we took a sip and looked at each other and we're like, smile like, Oh, thank God that's good beer. Yeah, all right. yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, it keeps getting better. And so we keep growing it and have built this, like what started with like, um, these a few small tanks now there's it it looks like a, a real operation mm-hmm. um and we built a really cool community around there of just you know we have events all the time of all different types and bring people in and kind of see it as like a gathering place for people to, to come together and enjoy each other and uh, learn about stuff and drink good beer in the process and have mm-hmm. a good time yeah it, yeah it really is a, a beautiful space that you put together and i like the the wooden bar that you have and the whole the whole layout that you did i did um in 2016 i did a fundraiser there for my school board race yeah and you know every i've done a fundraiser for something that's great <laughs> I think yeah. like at, at every bar that you own because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you own like uh, i mean you guys are involved in several different bars like uh, you know i think you guys consolidated some but i want to get the stories about some of that but like yeah at standard deviant there are these huge tanks that is where all the beer is being produced, right? Yeah. And so oh, yeah. all this is, so it's on 14th and what is it, Mission? Yeah, Mission. Basically 14th between Mission and Mena. So mm-hmm. so all of the standard deviant beer that you see at bars or wherever else, it's all made there? It's all made there. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of work. So you can like make beer in San Francisco? Yeah, cool, huh? <laughs> <laughs> is that cool? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are better places to do it when you look at the economics of it, but, uh-huh. um, you know, because I mean, we could, the, when you see a lot of beer, when you see like these, these massive breweries, if you ever go look at them, they take up like a city block because mm. uh, so many tanks. I mean, there's only so much beer takes at fastest, you know, with the beers we make two and a half weeks at longest five weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's just sitting there doing its fermentation and it's crashing and it's hopping and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really funny to think of how long it actually sits there before you can even put it out and sell it. Yeah. Um, but everything you see in the city, and beyond now, I mean, we're North Bay, East Bay, South Bay, mm. um, is all made in that little little room over there on 14th Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I was telling you before. I mean, you already knew that. Like, I, I stopped drinking a while ago. Yeah. But I, I, I really, I, I really love you a lot. Oh, and, thanks, and I love yes. like the story about being enterprising and like building something out of nothing. And uh, I know that has to come from somewhere. You know, maybe like people fall into it, they become it. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in a really small town in New Hampshire. Okay. Um, a town that still to this day doesn't even have a stoplight. Hmm. It's that small. Yeah. Hmm. And it was, and I think it's doubled in size since I grew up, hmm. but it was just, um, you know, it's, it's weird. It was, uh, it was, it was tiny. You know, we, I think um, I actually left uh, in at the end of eighth grade and I went to a boarding school for high school and then went to college in New York state. Uh, but 
the the class that I was in in the town I grew up in, it'd be thirty two people would graduate from a class, maybe. Mm. Like crazy how small it was. Yeah, that is really small. Is uh, it um what what was your sort of home situation like? What is it? It was good. My 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 parents they're still living in the same house that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, nice little house in middle of the you know, rural New Hampshire with like uh, uh, we were you know they they got the land in the early seventies from a farmer. Mm-hmm. So there was still an active dairy farm right next to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be waiting for the school bus in the morning, and there'd be cows that had broken through the barbed wire fence just chilling in, mm-hmm. in our driveway. I'd be like, all right, that's. Yeah. that's normal right yeah, and then it's like no that's not normal but it, it was it was cool um you know uh pretty like encouraging households where um you know my parents said we're always like very cool about saying do what you want to do mm-hmm. um follow what you believe in maybe that's not quite the right path but it's up to you mm-hmm. um and we're here for you yeah. so it was super helpful to have that are you only child no i have a brother he's insane He's insane. Oh, he's he's awesome <laughs> in the best way. Okay. He's like he's like me, but like uh-huh. ten times. Oh, okay, so like, yeah, okay. It's great. So he's it, also doing business stuff. You mean? Or he's he's doing. Like, he's a uh, he he travels the world for a living. Oh, he's like, that he's, sounds uh, like a nice. He's living. got a couple <laughs> master's degrees and uh-huh. is like an anthropologist and just goes around the world and nice. Just it, when I say he's insane, I mean he's like you can talk about something the most obscure thing from anywhere in the world and. He knows what you're talking about. Huh. Has been there. Has studied it. Has done it. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, where'd you go to boarding school? Uh, it's called St. Paul's School. Okay. Like in in Concord, New Hampshire. It was right down the street uh, from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I applied there because my best friend uh, from the town I was in, from Hopkinton, said he was going to apply there. I said, "Well, if you're going, I got to go." Mm-hmm. And I applied uh, and got in. It was incredible. Like when I look back on it now, it was. I mean, it it's one of the most incredible educational facilities out there. It's mm-hmm. had its problems like everywhere, but it's like, it is the, like when I got to college, I was like, oh, this is easy. Mm-hmm. They, it was such a good prep school, but my, my best friend ended up moving to Texas with his family and not going. Mm-hmm. And I just sat mm-hmm. there and said, oh. <laughs> so you went on your own? Yeah, I went on my yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was like a good experience because my parents, it, everyone had to board there. Everyone had to stay at the school, even though my parents literally both drove right past it every day to go to work and drove back uh, past. So. Okay. It was it was a good kind of halfway of like not being fully on my own, but starting to develop this. Um, you know, you're out here for yourself, and you got to figure it out. Mm. Um, and a lot of the kids that went to that school were unbelievably wealthy. Mm. Um, you know, like I I was blown away to find out. I was like, oh my god, like what? Like mm-hmm. you know, I I would still mow lawns and do you know uh, worked at like a deli, just mm. doing whatever I could to get like twenty, thirty, forty bucks. Mm-hmm a month mm. and these kids would you know just be like oh it's cool like i just use my dad's atm card mm. like i grew up on park ave in new york and it's all and we were just like mm. and ben who you know ben that's where i met ben we were oh you were the high uh, school together we were roommates in yeah. high school yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay and both of us came from like kind of like you know um not any like by by all standards there like we were the bottom of it economically and mm-hmm. just like we got to figure out how to survive yeah yeah and ben blyman is yeah. like, ben blyman is uh he's the chair of the entertainment commission yeah. he's one of your business partners yeah, exactly. and, yeah so just for people that don't know who ben is yeah well that's right <laughs> <laughs> um okay so you got so you went from and you went to a competitive college you went to yeah i went, went to, to hamilton college yeah, yeah. Um, so liberal arts and and um, your high school made that feel easy made it feel so easy. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was why, I mean, it made it the starting from day one of just the transition of saying, I've already lived in a dorm. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like to do this and 
and be living here. And I think, you know, because of that, not feeling this urge to, and I still partied, but not feeling this urge to like blow off all classes and go, you know, it was like, I already knew how to do this without my parents around. Um, And the, the classes at Hamilton were excellent. And I still talk to some of my professors and they're brilliant, but it was the, you know, the, the upbringing at this boarding school that made it, you know, like writing papers was so easy, mm, mm. which was, I didn't even know why it was mm. just cause they'd, they'd been, you know, yeah, that was not my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and most people, my roommates, mm-hmm. um, freshman year were like, how are you doing this? I was like, I, I don't know. I guess I just know the structure of it already. Right, so right. it was pretty cool. Yeah. Were you a highly involved college student? Like were you, in, 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 um, no, I was, I, you know, I, I went through this phase of, um, uh, transitioning from being like a really competitive athlete into uh, going full into music. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I don't know, like, a, I don't know if it was rebellion or not, but deciding I didn't want to conform to what everyone else wanted. And mm-hmm. uh, so I wasn't super involved in the college in in any way other than like playing in the band and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, still playing intramural sports. But um, I would say I was not, um, you know, I wasn't like a, uh, didn't didn't run for any offices. Mm-hmm. Uh, weren't involved in clubs and do plays. Didn't like. Didn't, yeah, just just was like really. It, it in hindsight, it's really funny because um, me and my buddy started this band and we started playing and we put out CDs and we went and played other colleges. Mm. We, we did a bunch of kind of alternative stuff. We we started a, a streaking team mm. where we went to other colleges and RVs and took We're off all our streaking. plays and, and we streaked <laughs> them all and we called it competitive and we got in like GQ and like ESPN and all this stuff for, for that for streaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so it's like you know all this stuff that we did that we just thought was like we're anti-establishment. We're going against it. Um, graduation day, the president of the college called us out being like, you kids were awesome. You made it like, mm. a unique experience. And then uh, kids who have graduated years after I'm, I'm very involved in the alumni association now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they're like, Oh, you were in that band. The mm-hmm. CDs are still in the bookstore. You, nice. you know, like it's yeah, kind of yeah. neat. Yeah. So you were, you were definitely um, taking initiative and doing a bunch of things when maybe not the traditional. Yeah, exactly. School things that were set up exactly okay, okay. Yeah. yeah and so it sounds like you had this um somewhat of you, you talked about in high school like having to figure it out and then in college you're starting to create stuff like mm-hmm. in a band mm-hmm. or shrinking yeah i mean more than just that I like <laughs> but, mostly band yeah i'm just what yeah. you tell me yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and it's getting it and it's and it's you know and it's like you're, it's taking you on tour getting some notoriety yeah um what was the what was it like transitioning out of college? What what did that look like? It was cool. I mean, it was um, it was getting out of school and um, saying, "How do we survive? Move to a city? How do I survive in a city?" Um, and you know, it, it it even started in college, but it I actually probably started in seventh grade or whenever when I came home and was like, "I got a job," but it was this like this: how do I hustle? How do I do this stuff um, so I don't have to sit at a desk? but I can still afford to live and do it. So it like, you know, it turned to this um, promoting a brand, which was, which was music mm-hmm. and then getting really good at bartending <laughs> and like, you know, like learning that. And I remember uh, my first, my first job, the, the owner after the first night was like, so you play in a band? I said, yeah, he said, you should quit the band and just do this full time. Mm. You're really good at it. And I, you know, said F you old man. I'm, <laughs> I'm a musician. Right, he right, was right, right. He was right, though. He was right. <laughs> Much better at Barton. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know what? Bartending is so hard. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. Because yeah. like I, I did a guest bartending um, at one of your establishments, uh-huh. Soda Popinski. Yeah. Over on, what is that street? California? California. And um, they had, it was like some video they put out. We did a training and I was back there and I was like lost in the sauce. I was like, I forgot where everything was immediately. It was it's, rough. It's tough. I mean, it, it's, it's really fun, but it's... Um, it's actually when it's busy, it, it can be for some people a really high stress, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of pressure. You have everyone looking at you just wanting something. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, drunk people are not the most rational and <laughs> patient people. So you know, you gotta yeah. you uh, gotta have all the patience and just say, I right, I'm gonna uh-huh. let this go. You're just drunk, it's cool, you're blown off steam because uh-huh. we're not at work and yeah. let's give you a good time. Yeah. I always wonder like when you look when you see bartenders and they you're you're trying to like eyes with them and like they don't look back at you. Some of them, yeah. Some of them, it's because they're they're so uh, they're just so busy. They're like, don't look at anyone. Don't look yeah, at anyone. Don't look yeah, at anyone. Yeah. Just keep doing I was the one thing. Like, right. are they trying not to look at me? Or? Yeah. So I, I know some people who keep their head down the whole time because uh-huh. they're just so they're it, it's overwhelming for them how busy they are. Mm-hmm. And I know other ones they're they're just pricks and they mm-hmm. just say I'm going to get to people when I want to. Mm-hmm. My philosophy was always keep your head up, smile, look mm-hmm. at everyone, acknowledge them, mm-hmm. and you know even if you're it's going to take you five minutes. Look at someone's like, I got you as soon as I can. Right, we'll right. Keep a cue of who's up uh-huh. next. Yeah, I'll always, I'll always appreciate that. I was like, uh, uh, uh. And then you go, you know, but but my appreciation for what they do definitely changed after I did that, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Um, <laughs> that guest bartender. So everybody should guest bartend the Soda Pafiski. <laughs> yeah, right? Go do it. <laughs> Especially if you frequent bars so you can learn how to respect bartenders if you don't already yeah yeah and <laughs> um, it's a good time and yeah. you can raise money for your yeah right for, right you know like that yeah talk about that talk about what that program so is. We, we started doing this stuff years ago and um it's something i continue doing um at the brewery all the time is like you know we, we've got these spaces and um we, we sort of realized that people could come out and have a good time and could raise money for their charity. And it's a way that we, as the the business, we can give back, you know, we can say, Hey, come on out and um, just have your friends come in and have a good time. And cool. You're, you're spending money with us, but then we're going to give that money back to a charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, for some reason, people, uh, and I, I, I mean, I, I guess people just value food and drink in a different category when they're doing their budgeting, but people <clears throat> might say, Oh, I don't have a hundred dollars to give to X charity, but then they'll go spend a hundred dollars on drinking that night. Right. So it's like, all right, let's put these together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I don't know. I don't know if we tricked them or not, but somehow, <laughs> somehow everyone's drinking for good. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's really important um, to at the end of the day, I think, like continue to give back to the community you're in and give back to people in need because you never know when you're going to be in in that position. And it's just a a better world if people can work together and help each other mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think i've like like I, and i mentioned that i've i've had fundraisers for my political campaigns and for mission bit the organization yeah. that i ran and you were always my go-to person like hey i want to put the event together and it was always like you never charged me to use the yeah. space it was always like yeah man what do you need like uh, you know, yeah let's, make it let's help out let's do this let's mm-hmm. you know again community is like really important so mm-hmm. let's let's build community and let's let's do stuff mm-hmm. let's, you know. And that Soto Popinski's they uh, on Wednesday nights. What's what's the program that you do for nonprofits? Is it? Um, I'm actually I stepped away from that one um, when the brewery opened, but I think okay. that's. Oh, it's, I, I can explain thir- it Thursday nights, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So one night a week at one. So you before well uh, at Soto Popinski's one night a week. Um, I think it's Wednesday night. You all the tips 
go to the charity so yeah. that the people at the at the company a guest bartender will show up bring their friends all the tips go to the charity yeah exactly and so at standard deviant what does it look like standard deviant we've done that before um you know, I'll do, I'll say, if you don't want to get behind the bar, I'll work it all night for you mm-hmm. and I'll give all my tips to your charity. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll say, you know, uh, come on in and we'll give you uh, 15% of the total night or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, each, each scenario is different. Uh, the tip scenario always works if you get like a company there with, um, you know, I've, I've led some of those guest bartendings at bars where uh, the CEO would come in and say, you know, I'm going to match all the tips for mm-hmm. the next hour. So everyone would start going in. We'd, like, we'd raise three thousand dollars in mm-hmm. three hours for mm-hmm. for you know uh, a great charity. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's awesome. Um, and most of the kids that work with me now don't. They're happy to give up their tips too, mm-hmm. which is I think really impressive. On on the, you know, we're really lucky to have people who feel that way. Yeah. Say so I can give up three hours of my night to work for a charity too yeah yeah i pay them a little extra for those nights but like you know <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah not as dope i um i want to get to some of the lessons that you learned in business and uh because i think you have like a wealth of information so i'm gonna do kind of some of this kind of selfishly yeah go for it man go <laughs> um, for it so what is the what is the current portfolio of companies that like you have you can talk about them generally like what, what um, are you involved in now personally i'm i'm involved in um a restaurant, a restaurant bar, a brewery, and um, a cannabis farm. Okay. And um, across those companies, about how many employees are in and out? Oh, man. Um, it's like a place there. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Well, probably about like 40 or 50 right now with okay. what I'm involved in. Um, uh, at one point, we had, we had seven or eight bars in mm-hmm. the city, and we had we threw a, a holiday party and there were like 200 people there. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It was, it was a big, <clears throat> it was a lot of employee. It, it got, it got so big that it was, um, it was hard for me to keep track of everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it, but it was really tough. It's like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. 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 Cause there's this thing about like onboarding new talent and, you know, all the administrative stuff that comes with people. And there's also all this stuff related to trying to do brick and mortar businesses in San Francisco, because you know a lot of the a lot of the innovation and entrepreneurship that's talked about right now is in the space of tech, right? But you really uh, put a stake in the ground around like brick and mortar, you know, service related, and and companies that you own, right? Because like you know you own a brewery, you're not just selling other people's beers, you right. have a beer, like, and so ownership it seems like is something that's been a part of your journey too. Yeah, so uh, so. What, how, how, like, how are you thinking about that? How are you thinking about, was that intentional? Did you just fall into it? Like It was, for me, it was, um, <clears throat> I was managing a, a very busy bar and restaurant and I still have nothing but love for the owner of the place. Um, but I realized I was doing everything mm-hmm. uh, and, and his paycheck was probably three or four times the size of mine. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, like, um, <clears throat> and he was great. I mean, he was, he was cool. He let me go on tour for six months of the year and he mm-hmm. paid my health insurance and he, he took care of me too. Mm-hmm. Um, probably where a lot of my sort of, uh, leanings in, in the way I try and take care of my staff go, comes from. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it was this sort of when, when music stopped, I was like, all right, like I could keep doing this. I could keep doing music. I could, keep just bartending and that'd be like no responsibility or I could say what is, um, 
what am I going to actually do? And what am I going to, you know, uh, what am I going to do for myself? But not like super selfishly, but to kind of prove that I can do something, you know, mm-hmm. like any chip on the shoulder I used to have about not being good enough. Let's get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get out there and, mm-hmm. and, and prove something. And I think, I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I still every day wake up saying I got to prove more, but, mm-hmm. um, but you know, that that's where the, the ownership came from just this tremendous risk. Mm-hmm. And as I was saying with the beer, like it, the first bar, I was just like, if this doesn't work, what have I done? Mm-hmm. You know, like <clears throat> how would I look my friends in the eyes and say, you let me borrow money and I lost it. Or mm-hmm. Just generally, yeah, this didn't work. Mm-hmm. And, um, luckily, luckily it worked really well in the first one. So it, it gave me a lot of confidence to keep doing it. Yeah. At what, at what point was that? Like when you, uh, how old were you when you did like the, I'm well, a, I'm going to step on them all. That's sort of rude. Cause now everyone can go oh. back and figure out how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was, uh, <laughs> that was like, um, that was right. I was around like 29 years old. Okay. Okay. And um, <laughs> I remember having the thought, all right, you're almost 30. Um, what, what's it going to be for the, and it came back to something my dad had said when we were talking about music and he was like, I love what you're doing. I love it. Um, you're passionate about it. You're traveling the country. You're doing all this stuff. You know, you, you, you should think about if we have to have this conversation again, when you're 40, mm-hmm. are you going to be happy with that? Mm-hmm. You know, are you still going to be happy at 40? Um, just scraping by mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know, uh, and I said, I probably, and then thought about it. And then, so at, at 29, I was like, all right, let's see what we can get done in the next 10 years. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so um, doing business in San Francisco. Oh yeah. I want to, I, wanna, <laughs> I actually want to get into like what it's like to raise money too. But uh-huh. like, um, what is it like to do business in San Francisco? <laughs> oh, it is. It is a treat. It is a treat. It is, it is, uh, it is really hard, man. It is. Because um, I think most people would assume like, oh, cafes, bars, they must be raking it in. It must be like, it's like. Everyone thinks that. Everyone yeah. comes in, they, they they see a bottle of Jack Daniels and they say, I know I can buy that bottle at BevMo for 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. How come you're charging $8 a drink? Mm-hmm. You guys must be so rich. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is crazy. Um, and they don't realize that, um, you know, even not in San Francisco, you got to pay for the electric and the heat and the, the water and the toilet paper, mm-hmm. the toilet paper, which literally like we pay for it just to get flushed down the toilet. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's mm-hmm. like the point you're like, all right, we just bought this. And it just gets like, we're just throwing money down the drain. Right. But, uh, you know, but then, but then San Francisco has a lot of really, um, really good ideas. Maybe not thought out so well about sort of, you know, um, taking care of everyone and, you know, there's like, uh, you know, we, we pay into all these funds. We pay into like the the healthy SF stuff, which um, costs like a couple hundred dollars a month per person um, and is like not even as good as like the lowest tier of health insurance that you can get. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of, a lot of stuff like that that goes into it and a lot of fees. Um, and that's, you know, that's once you're open and getting open in this town. Mm-hmm. For a small business, if you want to run a cafe or a restaurant or a bookstore or something, you're you're already going up against um, incredibly difficult and long permitting processes, mm-hmm. where the landlord of the building doesn't care, mm. and so you're paying rent for some places pay rent for nine months before they're even open. Mm. Some places pay rent for six months and can't get open and lose all the money mm. and have to shut down. Mm. So it's it's a really um, I don't know what the solution is, but um, it it's it's very difficult 
to to start a new business here unless you're so well funded, you know, like right. And and it's you know the tech companies that everyone hears about, like they're very well funded, mm-hmm. right? There's there's a lot of investment behind them. Um, if you wanted to go open up, if you say, you know what, I cook really good French toast, mm-hmm. I want to go. <laughs> I'm going to open up a little cafe where I'm going to serve this, and all my friends say this is the best French toast I've ever had. And you go out there, and it's going to take you forever to do it. The overhead's going to be crazy, and then you got to deal with the fact that there's you know people might not like your French toast, mm-hmm. uh, and it, you know so it, it's. Um, it's a lot of challenges and it, it, uh, it's a smaller scale, but it's, uh, it, it, it's really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, I've been walking up and down like the Fillmore corridor mm-hmm. and I think actually also along upper Hay, there's a lot of vacant storefronts. Yeah. And, it's, uh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so there's like this thing that's happening from the owner side around why it remains vacant, but from in hearing what you're talking about with your experience, like if, if I wanted to open, there's like a vacant storefront across from the McDonald's on Golden Gate and Fillmore. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to open, um, you know, a restaurant there, uh, the landlord would make me start paying rent before I had to open my doors, right? What's, so what's you, the, generally, um, and it, it all depends on your landlord, but generally, mm-hmm. as soon as you get the keys, you're paying rent, mm-hmm. even if you have to do the work. Yeah. I mean, so some, some landlords, and, and it's starting to shift, and I know that... Um, I think it's uh, Aaron Peskin's office, I think is really spearheading this, but this like sort of like, we're going to start taxing the owners if these, if these spaces remain vacant mm-hmm. um, to encourage them to at least get people in. And I've looked at a few deals that we, we haven't done, but um, recently where the owners are saying, we'll give you nine months of free rent to get all the work done that you need. Mm-hmm. But then I've also worked with other owners who want, greedy 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 amounts of money mm. uh, and they just sit and i've looked at the space and then three years later it's still vacant mm. i'm like man you, we could have been paying you rent this whole time right and i guess they just don't mm. they don't need it mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. but uh um you you would if you wanted to you know go into that space on Fillmore, you'd, you'd look at it and say all right cool i want to do a restaurant and then it might not be zoned for a restaurant mm. so you get the key you start paying rent then you realize you have to change the use Hmm. And then when you change the use, it triggers like a, uh, maybe you got to put a sprinkler system in hmm. and that's going to be on you, not hmm. the landlord. And that's a hundred thousand dollars right there. You got to spend on that uh, <laughs> sprinkler, you know, like it, uh-huh. it like, um, and then you finally get that all done and you're like, Oh, um, something's changed. Now you've got to uh, actually have this type of sink instead of this type of sink. So you've hmm. already done it and you got to go back and mm. redo it and mm. then you're a year into it and you haven't even opened your doors and you right and you're the, just blowing money trying to get it all ready to blowing pop. money trying to get it ready and hopefully you've got the the strength of character to not be totally uh bummed out and mm-hmm. and over it by that mm-hmm. point how often do you say that happens where people they go to a storefront and it's it's not ready or they have to do a bunch of renovation work before they can start i hear about it all the time yeah um there, there was one out, and I think it was Outer Sunset recently that um, they actually opened. They got approved to open, opened, and then um, somebody complained, and then planning unapproved it or something. like some some mm. strange. I, I don't, I don't want to butcher the details of it, but it was like something where the city was like, "Oh, you can't actually open. You got to do all this work." And they're like, "We've already, oh, you already stamped it and said okay." Mm-hmm. And now we're so. I mean, that's sort of an extreme example of how how bad it can be but um i think the 
the easiest way to do it, the, the ones that don't take long are places that if you want to have a, a bar that serves beer and wine and food, mm-hmm. um, and there's a bar that serves beer and wine and food out there and they want to sell that, mm-hmm. you can just transfer that right away and that's mm-hmm. seamless, right. relatively seamless. Mm-hmm. There's still some stuff you have to do. But mm-hmm. It's when you see a vacant storefront and you look at it and you say, oh, that'd be a really cool, that'd be a really cool place to um, um, do you know, have a, uh, I guess a jeweler would probably fit in, but just to do, to do something and you go and you find out, oh, this is actually zoned for, uh, manufacturing. This isn't manufacturing. So we can't do this thing in here unless we change it to mm. change the use to mm-hmm. retail and then mm-hmm. public hearing and mm-hmm. well, never had a public the- hearing where there isn't someone complaining about it. So, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and so the trying to finance your ventures, trying yeah. to finance ventures, it, when you when you're going about doing that, is it like um, friends and family? Is it traditional means? Like, how does that journey look like for you? It's um. I've always done the first one I ever did. Um, I no joke called every single person that had ever in my career as a bartender said, "Hey, if you ever open a bar, let me know. I'd mm-hmm. love to invest." I mean, mm-hmm. I was calling guys that like were in Boston from when I was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who I saw their numbers and said, Hey, you might remember me. I was your bartender during the days. And I'm like, Oh, good to hear from you. I'm like, you got that money still? And I'm like, huh? Uh, and you know, had, had put together a pretty good business plan. Um, and got it, got actually in raised all the money in uh, one weekend for it mm-hmm. uh, to the point where somebody said, I'm interested. I'm like, it's too late. Um, and the place was such a success that then people were coming up saying, I want to invest. And then it just kind of hmm. turned into this thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, I've never done, I've always been pretty terrified of a, a bank loan for this stuff. Mm. Um, and most banks don't want to give you money for a, a bar or restaurant because mm. they historically have the highest failure rate of right. any of these businesses. But, um, <clears throat> you know, we did for the brewery, we did um, friends and family. Mm-hmm. Just went to them and said, hey, do you want to, we're doing this thing, we believe in it. Um, and got raised the money we needed from we, we we put in our personal money like all of our personal money that we had mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a scary thing to do yeah uh and and then um raised the rest from, from other people uh and then as we've grown it we've said we've taken the profits from the business to grow it so we did it kind of incrementally mm-hmm. so got it open on a, a bare budget mm-hmm. small operation and mm-hmm. then it funded itself through their profits yeah grew it. Okay. yeah yeah okay and then and and so what about the the hiring and firing and like workforce stuff how is that like for firing's the worst first mm-hmm. of all like like i know some people who who actually they're I don't, they like to fire people. Mm. I'm like, I, I, I mean, even when someone's done just the most egregiously wrong thing, I still like feel bad being like, you don't have a job anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, who knows where they're at in their life, right. why they made that decision. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, but then you, I've learned the, the more I do, you say, but I also have to be boundaried on this and say, mm-hmm. you can't do that. And you did. And I told you um, hiring is really fun. Cause you get to meet people and really explore what they're about. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, say like, uh, how are you going to fit in with our culture? How are you going to, you know, like, how are you going to be able to come in here? Like, and do you buy into what we're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I enjoy that part of it. Mm-hmm. Finding people who are passionate and do cool stuff. I'm like, Oh, like, you know, most of my interviews, I, I spend about a minute talking about what's your actual experience in this. And then 45 minutes talking about what's the last book you read? What, mm-hmm. what do you do for fun? If you mm-hmm. could do whatever you wanted, 
what would it be? You know, what are you working on? You know, like it's, right. I'm just starting to get to know people that way. Yeah. Is it, um, yeah, I was, I was the, how, what is it like to, what are you seeing around like maintaining a workforce as San Francisco is dealing with this affordability crisis? It's very hard. It's very, very hard. Um, you know, uh, especially in the food side of it. Right. Um, because, you know, there's, there's just the, it's a combination of um, affordability and the amount. I know there were 400 restaurants that closed last year, but in the last that. five years, like I feel like 2,000 open, like so many opened mm -hmm. that it used to feel like there was for for uh, kitchen staff and wait staff, it was this every day I'd have three to five people come in with a resume. Hmm. And now it's like you can do a, a Craigslist posting for open resume, open call, mm -hmm. and you get three or four people in. Mm. You know, so I think a a lot of people have moved mm -hmm. who are in the service industry, mm -hmm. um, and b the the ones who are here have jobs already. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. so it's it's mm -hmm. um, and and to the, to that as well. I think fewer and fewer people are moving here. I moved, when I moved here, I didn't have a job. Mm -hmm. I said I'm going to move there. I'm going to get a job and got a job. Right, right, you know, right. in in as a, a waiter. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think people. I don't think kids are graduating from college or deciding to leave their hometown and pack up and come to San Francisco anymore because mm. they've read in every publication in the, in the planet likes to write about how expensive it is here and how hard it is to live here. Right. And, you know, if you're, if you're thinking I'm going to, um, I'm going to cruise up to San Francisco and send checks back to my family, or I'm going to move out there with my buddies after, you know, we finish school and mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, or I could just go to Sacramento or mm -hmm. I could go to, Austin, Texas, or somewhere else where it's affordable. More affordable. Yeah. 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 I think I think you see like a very interesting section of the community because of the work that you do. Yeah. And so like through your work, how have you how have you seen the city change? Um definitely I've seen the the as we we're just saying the 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 workforce is depleted. Mm -hmm. Um uh I have seen in in a hilarious way, I've seen you know people people just don't show up to work hmm. and then come in and you're like, oh, well, actually I need you. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, all right, you're not fired. Uh, we need you. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. Shoot. Um, but then I've also seen it in the, um, the, the habits of, of people who do go out to have food and drink. Mm -hmm. um, I've been saying it a lot and maybe it's cause I'm, you know, an old curmudgeon at this point, but oh. I'm like, man, <laughs> these kids these days have, they don't, they don't have to like, you know, they, they can do everything on their phones. They can order their food hmm. on their phones. They can like meet their future spouse on their phones. You hmm. know, like hmm. there aren't these like roving packs of people out trying to have a good time and meet people. Everyone's mm -hmm. doing it all. Um, there's also, uh, and God bless them for having it. And it'd be a, an amazing opportunity, but there's all these companies that have catering built in. Mm -hmm. So they, mm -hmm. you know, I've done with the brewery, I've done events where we've showed up and done the beer for a party and it's like, Oh, it's Friday happy hour. And there's 700 of your employees are here mm -hmm. getting free food and drink all night. Right. Right. That's 700 people that aren't going out to bars and restaurants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I've seen a change on that side too. Yeah. So then, yeah. Cause I, I so you mentioned the tax that Peskin was doing or introducing around mm -hmm. vacant storefronts. There was also a, a bill or a, some sort of um, legislation Safai was introducing to 
ban new tech companies from eating inside. Yeah, I don't I don't know whatever happened with that, but yeah. I saw that they wanted to say you can't have cafeterias because I mean it was a big problem on market, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz mm-hmm. mid market because all these restaurants went down and signed these leases and started saying, "Oh, this is great. There's going to be all these companies here." Right. And then all the companies put cafeterias and you walk down there and no one's outside at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. "Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. What what happened? All these guys were, you know, kind of uh in lured down here um and they, you know, I don't, I, I'm not educated enough on it to really yeah. get into it, but I know that the small restaurants certainly aren't getting the tax breaks that the big tech companies got to, right, to open yeah. up over there, right? So it's like, give these guys all the stuff, they build the cafeterias. So I don't, I don't know what happened with the bill. Um, I think there's got to be a good balance of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it'd be, it'd be cool. I know one of my buddies who, uh, longtime bar owner in the city, was like, it doesn't seem fair to me that, uh, we go through all this stuff, spend all this money to get a liquor license, and then these companies just have people cater it. Yeah. Like it should at least be us. Right. It should at least be that all the bars and restaurants are given the opportunity to to cater these things. Yeah, because they, they don't need a liquor license to give their employees alcohol, right? No. Yeah. And what does a liquor license license cost? Oh, it's like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. No big deal. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> two hundred fifty. That's all. <laughs> and you're not going into a bank for that. You got to raise that. Yeah, you're not going. Yeah, you how, how, do you have to renew that? Like, how does that work? Once you have it, you have it. I mean, there's oh, it's okay. a um, couple thousand dollars a year mm. of of fees that you pay, but um, yeah, you don't have to. Like, once you have it, yeah, it's kind of like a. I don't know if you guys remember taxi cabs, but it's kind of like the medallions that they used to have. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They, didn't, <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't really stop for black people though. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember seeing them. <laughs> <laughs> that was that thing you saw in the window. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it was just like that, right? Like you, there, there were a limited number of medallions. There were a limited number of liquor licenses, and mm-hmm. uh, people have them and they hold them and sell them. And hmm. uh, you can sell a liquor license to another. Yes, you can vendor. sell it. You can you can sell it, and that's mm-hmm. um, you know that's why it, the price fluctuates. Mm. Uh, but they're 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 few and far between right now, and so the value of them is about two hundred fifty grand. Mm. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So so the direction of the city around its policies to encourage small business. Um, do you have any general thoughts on that? And what, what do you think needs to happen in order to help spur small business before you get into it too? Because I, like, so we're in Hayes Valley, right? And, yeah. And along Hayes street, um, it's really bustling. It's like a lot yeah. of, I don't know how well the merchants are doing, but it's a lot of foot traffic here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we don't, I'm not near a huge office space. This is like mostly a commercial neighborhood. And it seems like in some of our neighborhoods, that's the case. Like maybe along Marina Street, mm-hmm. Polk, where you where you had Bullet. Well, Polk shifted. The part of Polk up between Broadway and Union was 15 years ago was probably the busiest few blocks hmm. uh, I remember seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, aside from Union Square, the wharf, whatever. But right. um and somehow that whole thing has shifted down and it basically goes from like clay down to, to post now, hmm. which is bizarre. But, mm-hmm. but, um, Hayes Valley is a really good example. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it is, I think, um, whoever did the planning for it did a really good job. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a great park. There's, um, there's foot traffic. There's mm-hmm. people, people are here and walking around and Hayes Valley 15 years ago didn't have the foot traffic. Right. right, right. Um, one of my bars, uh, Dr. Teeth, is over on Mission. Mm-hmm. And there's the red bus lanes, uh, forced right turns, all this stuff. Oh, yeah. How does that affect it? We have we have seen um, 
and and I'm I'm uh, the vice president of the Mission Merchants Association too. Okay. okay. Um, and the, what I hear from everyone on Mission Street is that uh, everyone's you know estimates fifty to sixty percent down in foot traffic because hmm. people can't drive down the street. They can't park there. They, so mm. they don't walk down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but over here in Hayes, it's great. Mm. You know, you, uh, it, it's, I think everyone's doing pretty well over here. Mm-hmm. Every time I drop beer over here, there's just hundreds of people walking around at 1030 in the morning, mm. come over here at five o'clock at night and it's bustling. Yeah. 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 That, that was like, yeah. Tra- transit and like parking and how that affects business. We can get into so many, so much. Oh yeah, we can do this. (laughs) Yeah, because I was just thinking, like, um, I was talking to somebody that uh, is connected to Livable Cities. I think that's the name of the organization, and they run Sunday Streets. Mm -hmm. They're they're big, like bike, bus advocates. Yeah, and um, I remember there was a lot of controversy when the red lanes came down Mission Street because um, people felt like they didn't see it coming. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of heads up. Yeah, especially, and you know, I don't even. The red lanes, whatever. I think it's it's a it's a cool. I think it's a really good again a really good idea mm-hmm. of let's put all the buses and taxis in this lane so that it it speeds up the the public transit mm-hmm. speeds up the buses so they're they're more consistently on time. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's weird that that taxis doesn't include kind of like rideshare services, mm-hmm. um, but I'm sure there's a good reason for that. But it's it's really that with these lanes for some reason they force all the all the other vehicles to turn off these streets mm-hmm. you know it's like market you're not gonna be able to drive on it and mm-hmm. um i wish philosophically i wish everyone just was on a bicycle or on foot or mm-hmm. in a, a car share mm-hmm. it's better for our environment mm-hmm. but um the reality is a lot of people are still still driving and mm-hmm. um if if they can't you know if they say we're going to drive to the corner of um you know 26th admission we're going to park there to go to uh to get some dinner maybe they park there and they park in front of a store and they say oh you know what like i should go in like let's check out this what what wares are they selling in here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and they go in and they buy something they see a bookstore they go into the bookstore and they buy you know like right. so i think like it it sort of decreases the i think they'll still get themselves to whatever their destination was mm-hmm. i just think they'll there's less of them walking around and and generally going into places yeah so but your general perception about what the red lanes did was it it decreased foot traffic to the merchants along to mission street 100 percent. yeah i said that's really i mean when i walked down 24th i used to live on 24th and cap yeah and when i walked down there it's still it's still pretty active it's kind of like 24th oh, is great i love yeah. 24th because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I live right on uh hampshire and in, in between 22nd and 23rd yeah so, i yeah. ran into a dynamo I don't know. I, that's, where, that's, where my, that's where my tea's from i went there this morning uh, yeah i got the dog is dog biscuit and yeah, uh, got yeah. myself a tea uh-huh. and a donut mm-hmm. yeah well like the i think that i mean the the mission that 24th corridor is one of the last strongholds where there are a lot of minority owned businesses yeah oh yeah and um and it's um and along uh, mission 24 has really done a good job of Mm -hmm. maintaining it and does like a really good job of you know um making sure that it it is preserved which i love and it's Mm -hmm. vibrant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i see all my it's all my neighbors you know i see it's like and it's cool because i've lived i've lived there for the whole time i've been in the city Mm -hmm. and so i walk down 24th and we're all saying hello to each other everyone i always say oh we recognize it we all we all lived there for a long time and it's um, and it's kind of cool. It feels like a, a real neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, I, I'm very welcoming of anyone new to it as well, but, um, the businesses are, are great and 
right do pretty well yeah yeah well you've always like been a community person you've always opened your doors to help me do whatever i was trying to do around the community work i wanted to do and um and you know one one of the like affordability is an issue in the city the dwindling population of people of color is an issue in the city and one of these things that comes up is you know how do we as a city create the conditions for more minority-owned businesses and and so it sounds like the small business in general is it's like it's it's kind of rough to get it going especially in this town and so like what what is your how would you say if someone wanted to say like along a corridor uh, we want to we want to encourage more small businesses more minority-owned businesses like what does the city need to do given your 20 years experience (laughs) running businesses here (laughs) some sort of like tax incentives, you know, any, anything that, that the city's doing for these huge companies mm-hmm. um, should be done. I've, I've looked at um, a development deal where like basically they're, they're getting, they're getting the money they need from uh, the big, the bigger companies. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're subsidizing everyone else's rent, mm-hmm. um, which I think, I don't know how that works on, you know, on mission street where it's not like, you know, it's all independently owned buildings. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know how, and that's where I think the city needs to step in mm-hmm. is if they can, if they can help subsidize that so that um, to own us, you know, like you don't have to be rich to start your own small business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there are, there are incentive programs. There's um, one of the things we're working on with mission merchants is like setting up like a, here's how you do it guidebook. And like here, if you need to do this, here's who you talk to. And there's, you know, um, stuff that's that's covered for you to help mm-hmm. you navigate the city mm-hmm. um, but it'd be really cool if the city said hey also if you if you want to do this if you're um if you want to if you're a minority and you want to open a small business like here's here's help mm-hmm. here's and not just anyone who wants to open a small business but just not just uh be like this is gonna be really hard for you yeah you know because i mean when i moved here um when i moved back here from boston what really drew me here after being here once was uh, this felt like such a diverse place. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, this is awesome. This is mm-hmm. what I want to see. I want to get on the train. I just think it's so diverse. And like, it's feeling less and less like that, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is not cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's feasible to see a change unless, um, like, unless there's a coming together and there's a real pathway for people to, to, to stay and operate and like mm-hmm. the, the large fees it makes it really hard for certain people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it so, also starts, it also starts with education, right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, like, um, one of the biggest, when, when I, when I, when I started running mission bit, uh, I went from an employee to the person in charge. I had to do the hiring and firing and having to worry about payroll. And seeing the end of the month come and it not it not be enough to cover payroll yeah. and like like my whole mindset changed you know it's crazy and all of a sudden you're like how's it the 25th already you know exactly yeah, yeah. I mean and and then you're like actually having to like do it because it's a small shop I have to I have to administer it uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know what it, you know you didn't do that you didn't you sign up to do but it's whatever like you do whatever it is and you, you get it done yeah. and that's what it is but. Um, w- we ended up getting uh, contracts with local government, which I think really helped stabilize us, give us like a, a, a strong footing. And there were a bunch of 
different issues around how the government pays back. Like they take nine months, there's no interest. Like I gotta find, you know, yep. how to pay it down or whatever. But but they did step in and the philanthropic community in tech wasn't very involved. And people are always kind of shocked. Like how come they don't- Yeah, that do seems it? weird. Yeah, 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 it was it was really strange. But, um, but trying to transfer that to something that can work for a small business, like the thing that we didn't have to worry about was how to, be in compliance with code in order to get off the ground, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that seems like a whole education in itself. It's, yeah, I mean, well, and, and that, what's crazy about that is that you talk to one person in who who is reading the code, mm -hmm. you're down to uh, planning and DBI, and one person says, oh, here you go, you can do this, and then someone else comes through and says, you can't do that, because like, they don't even know how to read the code, I don't mm. think they're like, you know, but, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it, 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 it would be really helpful if there was, and, and, you know, we'll mention, uh, Ben Blyman again, but he's, he's working really hard right now to work with the city to protect small business mm -hmm. and to, uh, come up with programs and ways to, to get everyone access to running a small business if they want it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, he, you should get him out here. He'll, he'll talk even more than I will. Mm -hmm. So you better have like three hours, but uh, <laughs> nah, no. well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can have them come through. No, um, but it's it's um, you know, there's there's, I think I think people are starting to see. I think more than just those of us in small business, I think people are starting to see the effects of it and are starting to say, "Whoa, what? How come my favorite places are closing down? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. how come how come we can't go uh, to this shop that was always here? You know, and some of it is. Place is closed because, you know, at some point I'm going to want to retire. Right, right. Yeah. I'm probably going to, you know, um, I and and that may mean I'm like, you know, I'm done. It's time for me to sell my business and move on. Mm -hmm. um, also, I had somebody who was recently uh, working at a place that closed down, and she was all all upset because they, uh, she's like, you know, they closed down and we all are out of a job now. And I said they didn't want to close down. Hmm. You know, that wasn't their business plan was to close down. Right. <laughs> it yeah. was, you know they weren't doing this to you, but it, it. You know I think people are starting to to recognize that uh, that it's crucial to a city like San Francisco. Right. It's crucial to any city, but but to re retain character and to have diversity and to have, like you got to be able to have small business mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Or it's just going to be a bunch of targets and uh, and tech companies, and then yeah, then the tech companies will leave because they're like it's kind of a boring town. Right. Yeah. I think and and when you when you go through. Um, like I, w I went to a small town after, after I won my first race. I went to Arkansas. That's where my family's from. Um, like my great grandfather came up here from Arkansas, uh -huh. and he's from a town called Prescott. And, a, and along like that entire, in a lot of that area of the country, there are towns that used to be built around rail rail stop railroad stops. Uh -huh. And when the railroad left, when the interstate came, the railroad died, and so all the small businesses there died and a bunch of chains started popping up along the interstate. So you'll see like a bunch of deserted looking towns mm -hmm. and there's a checkers and a waffle house, yeah. and a Starbucks along the interstate. And so the character of the community, it totally changes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then the places where it was, is just like deserted. Yeah. Know? And they're still there. Like exactly. The buildings are there. And yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's what we stand to lose unless there's a vibrant small business 
community, like going from neighborhood to neighborhood and seeing the different shops is really what gives San Francisco its character. Yeah. And so yeah. um, I know I'm preaching to the choir right now. Oh, no, but you're, <laughs> but, you're it's, it's absolutely true, right? Uh-huh. That's uh, like it. You could, I mean, for better or worse, everyone's like, oh, cool. Like this is, yeah, this is North Beach's vibe and mm-hmm. this is, you know, Fillmore's vibe and this mm-hmm. is Outer Sunset. And, this is where, and, it, and it's kind of neat that you mm-hmm. could have all these little, within a small city, have all these little feeling places. Um, <clears throat> but the unifier of all of them used to be, it's full of small business. Right. Yeah. Right? And, and it was a place where you could come and, and live your dream. So bef- before we wrap up, I do want to I want I do want to ask you also about the cannabis business mm-hmm. because uh, you know it, like I don't know like um, when I think about beer they have, they have this thing called vices like the vice industry uh-huh. and have you heard of that I'm sure you probably have I I, I understand what it is I don't yeah, know, if I, I don't yeah, know if I yeah. the actual vice industry but yeah. oh, okay okay yeah. but it's like chocolate um, beer tobacco um, and I think probably, now probably caffeine might be in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and so when I thought about when I when I heard the story about you all venturing into cannabis, I thought that your experience in like bars would serve you well going into this new space. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what was your reason for going into cannabis, and what is what does the business look like now? Well, so um, with in regards to cannabis, we actually. Um, years ago bought bought a little farm um and it was as like a lifestyle investment um up in humble and then even like the <clears throat> the county supervisors were like you guys are idiots if you're not growing up here mm-hmm. like everyone just do it get it permitted do it mm-hmm. um so that's where my involvement is um uh i went and um it's now mission cannabis club on mission street mm-hmm. it used to be shambhala um I've known the owner of that for a while and went and um, we did like a consulting thing with him on that. And um, Ben and our other partner got really fired up on it and they just opened uh, a shop up on California and Hyde. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a complete opposite reaction to it mm-hmm. uh, and told, I was like, man, I, this is not for me, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. It was like, a, um, it just didn't, it didn't check the boxes like um, the beer industry does for me mm-hmm. but it most certainly it, and part of it i think was because i didn't get to see it through until um like the actual recreation lounge part happens and all that mm-hmm. but i think the experience um certainly with with the new spot on california uh and with what we did at mission cannabis club when you go in there now you're like oh this feels kind of like a bar mm-hmm. this is kind of cool and um and it comes back to hiring and and uh filling filling the room with people who are not only educated but passionate mm-hmm. and and by that i don't mean like it's like you know you don't fill the bar with people who are uh passionate in the sense that they're just hammered all the time mm-hmm. uh, you know you don't fill the cannabis shop and where they're passionate because they're just stoned you mm-hmm. they actually learn about how this stuff's grown and they learn about what it does and they can say you know like um when someone asked for when when we were working the counter there and someone would come and say i don't really know what this is new to me. This, what, mm-hmm. what do I do? And I said, well, what do you like? A, is there anything that like is bothering you right now? Mm-hmm. Um, are you in pain anywhere? Mm-hmm. Um, when you go out and you're in a crowd, do you get anxiety? Like, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. what, like, let me, let me help. You know, it's like, this an is intake, fun. Right? Yeah. it's recreational, but let mm-hmm. me, uh, let me take this knowledge of people that I've gained over my life and kind of reading them and say, I think you'll do best with this. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone comes in and wants a beer and they're like, I don't really like beer. I like wine. I'm like, cool. 
or I don't know what I want. What type of beer do you like this? Okay. Let me direct you. You know, it's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, so I think the, the, the experience that we've all had in bars and restaurants is great for, for any sort. I mean, just, I think it's just a great experience. For I think everyone should do a year of working in a bar and restaurant just to, <laughs> just to learn it. But, um, yeah. but you know, you, you really get to understand how you can help people get to where they're going to be happiest. Mm -hmm. um, so with, with the cannabis, it's, Hey, like, don't, you know, there's, there's still, obviously there's still like a stigma around it because it was, um, you know, well, illegal drug for so long mm -hmm. um but but first the first step is getting people to say no this is okay like you you know you can if used responsibly just like alcohol mm -hmm. just like any any it's i mean they're they're drugs right like if you use this responsibly you can you can still be like a great part of society and uh mm -hmm. you know it, it's a great way to to relax at the end of the day yeah um and everyone's different mm, right you know, I, I, I know plenty of people who still in the morning get up and, and, uh, eat an edible and then go for a five to 10 mile run mm. and then go run a company all day. And you're like, Oh my <laughs> God, how are you doing? But you know, yeah. cause it works for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. I mean, we go up with a whole can of worms too yeah. about, about cannabis in California yeah. and, and what it's like to be in that business. Maybe for another episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I do want to uh, ask you about leadership and legacy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, I mentioned my great grandfather earlier. I named my company after him. It's called the Luther Harris Holy Company. Uh -huh. And um, he came out here. I think I talked about from Arkansas with like a sixth grade education, bought property for him and all of his family members, started a sawmill, you know, at a time when it was very hard for uh, a black man in America to do that. So his, his legacy very, is very important to yeah. him. This is his dictionary. Whoa. <laughs> Damn. And, uh, and these are uh, his wife's chairs. These are my great-grandmother's cool. chairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, so my legacy is important to me. This is what I think about with legacy. Like, how do you think about your legacy? That's a really good question. Um, and I feel like uh, the way I think about it, it's just nothing compared to what you have going on here. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's um, uh, part of the reason I got into doing the brewery was I started saying, you know, and like we've talked about it um, before, you know, like our thoughts on children. And, mm -hmm. and uh, but part of it was saying, you know, I want to, I, I want to, A, like I want what what my parents instilled in me and, you know, my grandparents were, uh, straight from Italy, born in Italy and, mm -hmm. and moved over here and just worked really hard. Um, so the first part of my legacy is just like honoring them by continuing to work, like doing things that are hard to provide a better life for the next generation. Right. Um, and with the brewery, we say we can, we have this opportunity to build something that um, hopefully is a community that will be around long after we're gone. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the legacy I would like to have is one of a, compassionate caring human who helps mm -hmm. and has a really good time doing it mm -hmm. yeah you're all those things oh yeah that's, that's the goal <laughs> right like you know but um but you know it it, it would be i I think about uh, not to go too dark but you know there's mortality is really not i'm like oh like what do you if if you know i go tomorrow mm -hmm. how will i be remembered and that's like a daily thing in my life is mm -hmm. Just make sure you're putting your best foot forward. Right. Um, everyone makes mistakes. Yeah, it's all right. Um, it's how you respond to those mistakes that will will carry on your legacy. I think. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, 
Um, and I think if you, for me, just thinking like that probably transitions pretty well into leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, yeah, yeah. I mean, leadership is also very important. Like how do you, do you have any guiding principles when it comes to leadership? Um, this, this dude that I worked for who most of the things that came out of his mouth were total nonsense. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember, <laughs> I remember like, he was like, man, if you really want to lead, you got to be able you gotta make sure that like your hands are dirtier than everyone else's hands and you can do everything mm-hmm. that you're asking people to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like, and, and so I've always kind of taken that with me and it's like, you know, I'm not going to lead by, uh, sending an email to somebody being like, you need to do this better. I'm going to lead by saying, Hey, like let's work on this together mm. to get you better at it. Yeah. And this is how I do it. I'm going to roll my sleeves up and get right in this muck with you. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, I think it's, it's really important for leadership that, that you demonstrate that, that mm-hmm. one demonstrates that. And, um, you know, and, and shows forgiveness and, and compassion and, mm-hmm. and um, at the same time, you know, they always say, but lead by example. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't lead. You can't lead something. You know, if if I expect everyone to be on time and uh, work really hard and and check their shit at the door, I can't come into work uh, twenty minutes late, looking like a slob, mm-hmm. complaining about whatever just happened down. Mm-hmm. The, you know, like it. Uh, you gotta you gotta really uh, do what you what you ask others to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all pretty obvious. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Well, I mean, I think, I, yeah, it, it might be, but you know, I think you are you're, you're running multiple businesses with a lot of people involved, and so it it being obvious is one thing, but you're obviously putting it to use. And yet, you have to understand that not everyone's coming from the same spot, mm-hmm. right? So, so my idea of something might be different than her idea, than his idea, and you got to say, all right, like, um, where does the where can I have a little empathy on this and say, this is where you're coming from. How do I motivate you? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause your motivation is different than your motivations, your motivations. And like it, you know, it, it's all about getting everyone to feel like they're, they're empowered to do their best job and, um, and motivate everyone individually. And when you have a lot of people to work with, you got to really take the time to, to learn about all of them and say, all right, this like, you know, instead of walking and saying, I don't know why, why are you all grumpy all the time, man? Maybe like take a minute and say, Hey, do you want to get a coffee and mm-hmm. what's going on in your life? Right. And it turns out that, you know, their partner just left them and they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe they're dealing with some stuff that's beyond, you know, like a dear friend of mine had to deal with basically like the loss of both of her parents within six months and then mm-hmm. taking care of her whole family, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm. and then showing up at work right? and trying to make it all happen. You're like, so that's, you got to know that if you yeah. want to lead, you can't, just say that doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, if you haven't tried it already, go to Standard Deviant. <laughs> you can um, tell Stevan all about how it tastes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never tasted it, but it's the best beer in the world. <laughs> hey, it's a pretty good beer. We, we, we won a lot of medals for it this year. So it's actually, uh, it was a good feeling to, we knew it was good, mm-hmm. but then to have these, you know, massive panels of the best beer, palates in the in the country mm-hmm. uh tell us our beer is actually good and better than all the other ones I'm like all right that's that's cool we'll take yeah, it yeah whatever well, late because i knew before them it was you the knew best beer. yeah you knew yeah <laughs> thank you mark i appreciate thank you it. that's super fun yeah, yeah yeah thanks thanks for coming yeah hell yeah <laughs> peace peace and thank you for listening to another episode of cook on monday morning 
Uh, Come Monday morning, we believe that if you can own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you own the week, you can own the year. If you change your year, you can change your life. I want to thank Mark DeVito for coming and talking about his journey around starting Saturn Deviant, the different lessons he's learned about operating a small business, his perspective on what the city needs to do to encourage small business. Uh, you know, I, I ran in this city. I run a small consulting practice in the city. I really believe that small business is what keeps our city thriving. So getting his perspective on what that's like was really important. I'd like to thank the people that made this podcast possible. I'd like to thank my producer and videographer, David Dopete. Thank you, sir. I'd like to thank uh, Fernando Cinco Marquez for all the editing that he does of the newsletter. I'd like to thank Icy House for providing the mics for the newsletter. I'd also like to thank all the people that help San Francisco run, our teachers, our school lunch workers, our janitors, the people that keep our streets safe, our first responders, our muni drivers. Thank you. You help San Francisco move. The city is what it is because of you. This podcast is also for anyone that's looking to do more and change their city themselves and the world around them. Uh, They are in places like LA, Houston, New Orleans, Chicago, Detroit, New York, Boston, Miami, Jackson. I want to hear from the folks in those communities. I want to get to know you. I I think that together as a collective, we can really do more to share ideas, to 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 learn from each other so we can further the cause of improving ourselves and our communities so i hope that you will continue to support the podcast we are on this journey to get to 2020 subscribers by april 30th of 2020 you're helping us do that because you're sharing the podcast you are telling your friends about it you're finding value in it and if you're not you know, let me know you can reach out to me on twitter at Stephen cook you can comment obviously on the video if you're interested in working with me to grow your business uh, i do strategic advising community engagement work for companies you can reach out to me at info at and you know check out standard deviant they are a highly what's the word they are a, a, an award-winning beer <laughs> i don't drink beer but my friend owns it so you should drink it if you do drink beer <laughs> so um you know thanks again to mark thanks again to all of you i appreciate you Peace, peace, and we out.